didn't show up and they had to say, hey, Ted in accounting, can you come down? Can you memorize like 40 words? Sure, I can do that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome or welcome back to Soap Lore, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OD diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jed, viewing and reviewing the Sophia Sudsiest primetime storylines of the 80s for the foreseeable future. We're going to leave the 90s and the early 2000s out for just a little bit, okay? Alright, so whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids it's time to play outside or out of sight. Tell Bay no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25 to 35 minutes. Everyone else in earshot, be cool, be quiet, or get all the way out of my face because I really don't care what you have to say if you're not into season 3, episode 22 of three of the most iconic soap operas in history. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lore. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome and welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Jetta Shay, viewing and reviewing some of my favorite, favorite television shows of all times. That's a bold proclamation, I understand, but guess what? I'm, I'm a bold woman. This is how I feel. We are jumping into season three, episode 22, and I'm super pumped because I know that there can't be too many more after this. There's either two more episodes or one more episode until we end season three, which means it is probably my favorite time of any season, the finale. Now, I know I say I have a lot of favors, but guess what? I'm a woman of many pleasures. Finales happens to be my thing because... I feel like people pull out all the stops. You're not really expecting anything from any of these shows. I mean, we're expecting something, but we're never expecting the thing that they drop. I can say season one of Dynasty. Yeah. yeah, Season two of Dynasty. Oh, baby. They were ready. Season three of Dynasty. At least the beginning. They were ready. I expect nothing less than, than just magic from this by this point because we all understand by this point Dallas had been on the air for three or four years so we all have this certain expectation and as you know season three is where JR gets plop 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 and he deserves it if I might say so myself I can't wait to see what happens I'm super super pumped we're gonna jump back into Falcon Crest first because Falcon Crest won last week listen they got me all in my deep dark feelings. I was not expecting that. I was not expecting Angela to be an emotional gangster with like a soft side. I was not expecting Richard, the season, the episode before that, to be an emotional gangster with a soft side. So I want to see how this turns out because you remember Miss Lynch finally folded. I thought she was like this British hard ass who wasn't going to fold in, but she definitely did. So I want to see how that turns out. Hopefully, because I like her so much, I really like to see what she's wearing, but I like her um, Phineas and Ferb face. I hope she sticks around for a few more seasons. And that would mean she has to confess to Richard with the quickness that she is doing some sort of espionage. Now, will that happen? We don't know. Hopefully that's the case. Over on Dynasty, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you what, y'all. Steven is, God dang it. I'm not going to get into my disappointment with the Carringtons. I have yet to be impressed by any Carrington, any natural born Carrington and any newly married Carrington at this point. It is what it is. I hope Sammy Joe comes back and wrecks shop. I hope 
that Kirby decides that, you know what, it's time to throw her new weight around. She is the second wealthiest woman in all of Colorado. She, she needs to act like it, right? Right? Let's see what happens. Pour yourself whatever you need to drink to get through this. Let's discuss season three, episode 23 of Falcon Crest. I actually misspoke. It's season three, episode 22 of Falcon Crest called The Gathering Storm. The synopsis is as follows. Lance learns of the pact between Angela and Melissa. Maggie's need for an operation grows critical, even as questions remain about Michael's dot, dot, dot. This poor guy. I forgot a little bit about his whole gun shyness. I was caught up in the baby being removed from the house the last episode. Sort of forgot about that. But I I get the feeling that old Mikey Mike is going to find some of that magic. And he's, oh my God, magic Mike. (laughs) Not even close. But I think he might, hopefully, hopefully he pulls a little something out of his hat and he's able to do the surgery. She's going to be perfectly fine. But Lance finding out about Melissa and his grandmother is almost inconsequential. Who cares? He knows who he knows who both of these women are. Neither of them have kept any sort of secret from him, especially their disdain for him, not to mention their absolute focus on being the dominant force at Falcon Crest. It should come as absolutely no surprise. I'm just going to be quiet and watch episode 22. Now the picture has Angela looking super pissed. So hopefully this will be no, hopefully I'm going to speak this now. I know this is going to be a good episode because we are nearing the end. Now I am going to cheat just a little bit. It looks like there's at least 25 episodes of Falcon Crest, which seems a little bit long for a season to me. Don't you? There must be like a part one and part two of something. But the pictures don't actually give anything away. Of course, I'm watching this on Amazon Prime. And within the Prime app, they have the Freevee app. F-R-E-E-V-E-E. They better give me some coin at some point. Give them a lot of free publicity. Yeah, there's probably a reason they don't do that now. Moving on, let's jump into this episode. We are 16 minutes into the show and it's getting messy, but not in the ways I thought. We're going to leave Lance and Melissa out just for a little bit and focus on Richie Rich. Now, Richard has been trying to get this racetrack up and running. The story's running a little bit long, so I'm anticipating something's going to pop off here in a bit. But as we, the audience, know, Miss Lynch has been flipped. They finally got to her. She planted a bug in his phone. At work, she planted a bug in his phone at home. So now the cartel is picking up on several things that they would have no business knowing otherwise. Richard is taking out loans. Richard is in over his head because now he doesn't have the backing of his mother. See, you remember his mama was the big finale of last season. She was a surprise, surprise. She was running the cartel, which is why he had all this power all this time. So he's been trying to distance himself from that because A, he just didn't want to be involved after they killed her. Well, they didn't kill her. B, he's also now seen as a Nepo baby. You were only getting all of these cases. You were only doing so good because your father worked here and then your mother was actually, you know, running the whole shebang. She was making sure you looked good. So he's got this little bit of a chip on his shoulder. But now that he's out of the cartel, he wants to prove he can do it all on his own. A la Steven. I want to make a name for myself. Only Richard actually has the juice to do so. He has been in the field long enough. He could absolutely pull this off if only he had the financial backing and if his secretary in New Boo Bay wasn't selling him up the river. 
So here we are, we're at the courthouse and she's getting finicky. She's acting really weird. And she's dressed in the 1980 it coat, that trench coat, but hers is all white because Miss Lynch needs to make a scene everywhere she goes. So she's dressed in all white, but she's feeling super dirty. And she's like, hey, um, Rich, the cartel knows about your loans. And he looks at her just completely shocked. Like, how would they know that? How? How is it possible? And she goes, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I'm certainly not selling up the river. (laughs) Nervous tick, lady. Nervous tick. She's giving it all away in the face. And there's something about his face. It seems like recognition. I think he knows that she's selling him up the river. Betrayal seems to be the drug of choice this episode. Lance stumbles into the nursery only to find Melissa clutching a pillow. Excuse me. No, it's not a pillow. It's like a, a bear. And not Joseph. He's like, Joseph, Joseph, side note, Lorenzo Lamas must have had a couple extra acting classes. I'm not saying he was good this episode, but he at least appeared to be acting this episode. There was a little bit of emotion thus far. We're only 16 minutes in and he's giving it the best he's got. And it's not bad. I'll give him that. It's not bad at all. So it didn't occur to me that Lance was not in, he was not privy to any of this information. He was completely blindsided by the fact that Melissa, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. He comes into the nursery and he's confusing Joseph with some sort of puppy because he's like, Joseph, Joseph, clap, clap, clap. Sweetie, puppies and babies, although cute and small, they're not exactly the same. Children can hear, they understand their words. You, you, you don't whistle at them like puppies, not like animal. He's not a beast of burden that you summon when you get bored. Okay. That's not how that works. Either way, Joseph's not coming because Joseph's not there. So he's finally putting two and two together. He's like, where's the baby? Melissa tries to calmly tell him that the baby is now living with his father. It takes a couple seconds and it clicks. He's like, oh, you gave him to Cole. It's like that now? Really? Yeah, it's like that. So Angie comes in because Melissa's still upset. She's still reeling from the fact that she handed over her only child for a piece of land. Angie comes in and calmly informs Lance that the baby is gone. He is with Cole and his family, the Giobertis. And she is now back in possession of at least 50% of Falcon Crest. So he's like, oh my God, you're so, really, Angie, you traded my baby for land? She's like, let let the record show that you are not the father. We've already done this. I had the Maury Povich. We had all that. Pulled a few strings in court so that you could maintain possession of the child. But this is a nighttime soap opera. That kid needs to be currency at some point. And I did what I had to do. I'm paraphrasing, guys. (laughs) Lance looks at her in disgust and he's like, wow, I just really cannot believe you are this diabolical. So what are you going to do for the other 50%? Who are you going to trade off for that? She looks pensive for a second. Like, well, I don't know. If I, if I need to trade a human being, you better believe I'm going to do it. Just, just so you know, it's all out in the open. He's not satisfied. So he he's pondering this and he's thinking to himself, Melissa's a lot of things. I don't think she would have traded that kid. She seemed to really like her kid. That's the difference between Melissa and Angie. Melissa seems to have genuine affection as where Angie is tolerating these people. She loves them, but you know, she's from that old, that generation just is different. I know a few people like that. They love you, but they're not like hugging and kissing kids. It's weird to them. They ain't got time for all that. Kids are supposed to go outside and help with the farm. That's why we have so many, according to her generation. You know what I mean? So he asked Melissa, He confronts Melissa rather like, okay, 
He may not be the brightest crayon, but Lance quickly puts two and two together. And he's like, "Mm, this just wouldn't have happened like that. I need to get to the bottom of this. So he goes to confront Melissa, who's still reeling, but she's still not in the mood for his shenanigans. And he's like, what would make you give up your kid? I can't believe you gave up your kid. She goes, you know what? In due time, Angela's going to pay me back. And it all clicks because he's heard this his entire life. Do as you do as I say, do as I say, and you'll inherit Falcon Crest. He was the heir apparent. Now he puts two and two together that it's Melissa. And he's like, she wrote you into her will, didn't she? And then he laughs at her. He's like, you're a fool if you actually believe that. You will never get your hands on Falcon Crest. You better believe it. Melissa does with any reeling wife who has a cheatery, cheatery husband that she doesn't really care about because she's also cheating. And recently, she's she's an empty nester because she chose to be, unfortunately. And she reacts as such. So she snaps back at him. You're not going to call me out. I'm going to call you out. You know what? You're just your grandma's errand boy. Go run and fetch this Lance. Go run and do this Lance. And he's like, you know what? I may be an errand boy. I may be a little bit of a whore. But guess what? I'm not. I'm not a baby dealer. I would never sell my own blood. So he's actually just upset because he's grown to love this kid. I kind of feel like this is the end of that storyline. Now, mind you, it's only 16 minutes in. I just can't imagine what else would come of this. I would I would expect the Boy Scouts, the Giobertis, to actually let Melissa visit the baby whenever she wants. But other than, than the occasional visit, I can't understand what else they could do to get her back. Not at this point. But you know what? That's what clever writing is for. And I'm hoping to see that. Falcon Crest is actually, they, they're, they mind their P's and Q's, I noticed. They don't really go off script they don't go willy-nilly they always tie up everything with a nice neat little bow and they always 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 make sure the dots connect doesn't seem like there's anything to connect with this storyline after this judgy wudgy was a woman with a podcast about vintage soap operas i'm looking at this scene at the courthouse and it strikes me as odd and i couldn't really figure out why and it's because the extra isn't gorgeous i know that sounds horrible i promise you i'm not that shallow of a human being but Part of the thing that stands out with a soap opera is that everyone is gorgeous, especially early hell before 2020. Everybody, no, no, ever, always. I don't care what size you are. I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. I don't care if you have no arms. I don't care what you look like. If it's just a head and a glass case, it is flawless. On this show, though, I don't know if if the extra who was supposed to, or the actor who was supposed to play this part didn't show up. And they had to say, hey, Ted in accounting, can you come down? Can you memorize like 40 words? Sure, I can do that. Ted in accounting showed up with no makeup, no hair, no nothing. (laughs) He's just such a sharp contrast from gorgeous, gorgeous, six foot five Richard and gorgeous, gorgeous, six foot two Miss Lynch and her all white ensemble. It's weird and seems like an unnecessary scene. Doesn't really matter. We got to talk about Maggie. Now, Maggie is throwing a dinner party for herself and it's basically a double date between she and Chase and Aunt Terry and Uncle not Uncle cousin Michaels. I don't know why I say Michaels. Cousin Michael. She's serving dinner and she's doing just fine, but halfway through the meal she starts losing her fine motor skills. Never mind the fact that she's wearing 
uh, 20 minutes worth of makeup. As a woman, I can tell this. She is beat to perfection. She's got her lipstick. She's got eyeliner. She's got mascara. She's got highlight. She's got all the things on. Her hair is coiffed to perfection. She, her fine motor skills were fine then. They were fine making the meal. They were fine serving the meal up until the end where she sits down. Suddenly there's a candle in front of her and she can't see it. She can't see it. It could be the Maybelline, in my opinion. You know what I mean? But in soap opera speak, it is time for her to have the surgery. Cousin Michaels, you're going to have to get over your caloric intake. You're going to have to digest this meal with a quickness and get to the surgery center if at all possible. This is 26 minutes and 20 seconds into the episode Maggie can't see in front of her. Things are not looking well for good old Maggie Mag. On the other hand, Richard was so troubled by the fact that the cartel knew about his financial woes and his money moves that he calls in sort of bugging specialist. And this guy was able to to dig into his phones and like, yep, yep, yep. This is the finest technology money can buy. I don't know who did this to you, but sir, you have been bugged. Someone is spying on you. Now, Miss Lynch is rubbing his back with the quickness. She's trying to be the side, not side chick. She's the main chick at this point, as far as we know. She's trying to just kind of play up that like, dude, you're, you're too tense. We should go to Tahoe. We should go to Tahoe, which is a stark contrast from the person she's been pretending to be or the person she's been genuinely up until this point. I wonder if it's a sense of relief now that the bugs are found out. She She's kind of off the hook so long as she plays her part. Don't see this going well for her, which is a shame because I really do enjoy this character. I will be quiet and remain judgy. As I finish this episode and we will. Do you think she'll get kicked to the curb? Maybe she doesn't really say a lot. So I kind of, I kind of feel like she's, she's in that replaceable category because she's not very memorable outside of her gorgeous wardrobe. As much as I trust the process on Falcon Crest, I, I can't, I have to admit this episode is a little bit slow or I'm just really distracted today. So I've stutter stepped through it. I've stopped it several times. This scene right here is gold. So after Maggie's little, you know, incident, she ends up in the hospital. It is go time. She needs surgery if she decides to go through with it. She still has a choice. Well, Angie somehow gets a hold of this news and she shows up in cashmere and fur. She's like, Maggie, oh my God, baby, I didn't know. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if this is your first time joining me, thank you and welcome. I hope you find this to be as entertaining as I do. Vintage primetime soap operas are where it's at, okay? Now, I need you to know a couple things about me. I am a novice. I enjoy these. I'm not fully a pro. I'm not an OG. I am learning to love this 100 episodes in. And I never make up anything. I never make up anything. But from time to time, I will extract the essence of a scene versus giving you the verbatim dialogue in something I like to call soap law theater. This particular scene takes place in the hospital. Maggie has an inoperable brain tumor that's actually not inoperable. It's inoperable. It's operable by one person and one person only. Her cousin by marriage, Michael Ransom. Now, Michael has a little bit of a history. He was somehow the Hippocratic law didn't count in this county and he and his wife were in a car accident. He was the only person once again available to perform surgery. He couldn't perform surgery on his wife, obviously, because he's devastated. And not to mention the man had just been in a car accident. Nobody has given him the benefit of the doubt about that. That is so treacherous, but it is what it is. 
1979 didn't care about your feelings. Anyway, present day, which would be 1983-84, he is in the hospital with his cousin, his baby cousin's wife, who he adores. She has this brain tumor. She's starting to lose vision. She's starting to lose her fine motor skill. She's starting to lose her ability to stand up on her own. It is now or never, never. It is now or never. He needs to be able to perform this. Angie, the main protagonist of the show, antagonist, excuse me, is her aunt-in-law. Okay, here's a scene. So she's, this is Maggie's hospital room. It is Maggie, Chase, and Angie. Angie is dressed in cashmere and fur. Maggie's in a hospital gown. Chase looks like he's going to work. He's got like a camel colored sports coat on, a burgundy and earth tone plaid shirt with a camel colored tie. And the scene goes something like this. Angie enters the room. Oh my God, Maggie. Baby girl, I didn't know you were really sick. I, I I don't know what I thought. I Dang it, you're sick for real, for real. What can we do? What can I do? Chase, thank you for showing up, Angie. Okay, Angie, I have, that, I have my gardener cut these flowers, Maggie. Tell me about this. Now tell me all about this tumor. Side note, Angie is treating this tumor as if it is a, a, a rival cartel. She's acting like she's about to put a hitman out on the car, on her tumor. Like she can take it out. That's one of the things I like about Angela. Even when Vicky wanted to get married for the second time to that weirdo, she let it happen. She's like, even though I don't like you like that, you're still my family. I can't have my great niece marrying some hobo without a proper wedding. With Maggie, she's like, damn, girl, I just hate to see that. I hate to see you like this. Who, Who do I need to kill to make sure you're okay? It is Angie's generation's version of love you know (laughs) okay here so here's the best part let me get back into character angie take these flowers maggie what can i do about this tumor who do i who do i need to destroy chase well michael's gonna operate on her if she chooses to angie michael why would you let a fool like Michael operate on Maggie? Absolutely not. This is not a Play-Doh doctor. This ain't this ain't operation. This ain't a play game. Absolutely not. He's not cutting up my play, niece. Chase. Angie, Michael is the only person in the world who can perform this surgery. Angie. Michael couldn't even save his own wife. You gonna let him play with yours? In scene. <laughs> I don't know where auntie came from, but she came in with real strong auntie energy. And dare I say, I I have to agree with her. Oh God, I struggle with this. I go back and forth literally week to week with Michael. The man was in a tragic car accident. Then he was asked to perform surgery on his wife. He, He had to have his own injuries. It's unfair to judge him for that. Going forward, it is, it's a lot of pressure to be the only human being in all the world who can perform these miracles on these people. He, didn't he tell you guys from the beginning, the first eight episodes, he's like, listen, I don't cut people open anymore. I am not a doctor. I'm I'm a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. All I want to do is read books, do research and put the puzzle pieces together. You can, you can be, you can be productive without slicing people open. I don't do that anymore, but they wouldn't let the man be. They wouldn't let him be. And now he is once again put into the predicament. That Hippocratic Oath doesn't seem to be applied to him. Hey, uh, Dr. Michaels, I need your world-class surgeon skills on someone you care very deeply about. Of course he's going to panic. 
Give the man a break. But on the other hand, Angela's right. This this is not his forte. Why would we even gamble at this point? Speaking of Big Ange, I don't know what's going on this episode, but she looks like she's had a little work done. She looks great this episode. I think I'm going to dedicate an entire episode just to Jane Wyman, the actress. I just read something recently where Lorenzo Lamas said that she was the most influential person in his life, like the second influential. He had a really hard time when she passed away in 2007. And I could see that she's, I know this is an actress. I'm watching her through the lens of this soap opera, but this is a sturdy, steady broad, if you will. I'm going to dig into her past a little bit more because she seems to be an it girl even at 80. I don't know how old she is here. She's probably like 68, 70, something like that. She holds her own in every scene. With that being said, Melissa is being a bully now. I had never thought about this. Mind you, Melissa losing her and Lance's baby is only like three episodes old, right? Well, she shows up unannounced to Shania, Linda and Cole's house because she wants to see baby Joseph, who once again is this kid is a pro. I don't know how he is a toddler and he's managing. He's he's delivering lines. There is a genuine relationship. He seems to have a genuine re- affection for Melissa, his quote unquote mother. This kid is stellar. He is so, so good. I'm going to look him up, see if I can get him on the show. But Melissa shows up because she wants to see her baby and Shania comes out and Shania Linda, Shania Linda comes out and she's like, Melissa, you can't just do this. I think you need to leave. Melissa's like, this is my son. Remember, you made me lose my other baby. I had never actually thought about that. I just pictured it as a car accident. But Melissa is holding this little, I don't even, I don't even know if she believes that. I think she's saying it because it is the leverage she needs to visit Joseph whenever she wants. Now, I don't think Cole is ever going to turn that down. As a matter of fact, a few episodes later, he comes in. He looks so hot, actually. He looks so good. I like him without that Chucky doll haircut. He looks really wonderful. And he tells her, Melissa, if you want to show up, you got to call before. Shania Linda comes out after the fact. And she, she, yeah, she feels guilty. She's going to feel guilty. She is giving Kirby. She and Kirby need to understand, listen, you are the wives now. Stop giving grace to these baby mamas. No shade. Melissa's not a wife. She's not Cole's wife. So you don't need to give her anything other than that. Y'all need to take your rightful place here. So what if they have a baby? You are his wife. You are the missus. Take control. I can already tell you Shania and Linda would never. She is far, far, far too timid. Cole is far, far, far too timid. It's never going to happen. I'm tempted to call it good at this point. I am 39 minutes into a 48-minute episode. I think I will. Let's call it good and move on from here. We'll pick up all the details on the versus 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 episode. Now that I know there's at least 25 episodes, now I got to go back and check the other ones to see how many episodes they have so that we can make this nice and even. Until then, in the meantime, in between time, be good to yourself. I care about you. This is a safe space. I hope you're doing well. I hope your day didn't suck. And if it did, to hell with it. We got tomorrow. Stay moisturized, stay hydrated, mind your own business, and keep all of your drama on TV.